he goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Now listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. I mean, I think just still trying to find our way. And, um, you know, sometimes that takes time, especially when you have so many new guys. But, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we need to kind of dial it in a little bit here um, and get our game back and then find that consistency. Welcome in, friends. Happy Monday. Oh, I feel loud right now. Leafs lunch on TSN 1050. Can we call this... um, Marble Monday, AB, where things are why, why Marble Monday <laughs> set in stone following the Friday okay. trade deadline. Everybody knows who their teams are, uh, and and we know here on Leafs Lunch who who we got in the fold for this postseason push. We're gonna have Mike Johnson join us in the next couple of minutes following what was eh, a bit of a forgettable, not a bit, a full forgettable performance in. Vancouver, though there was some bright spots. Matt Murray made his reappearance in the lineup, and you know what? Even though they didn't get the win, he looked, looked healthy good. in there. Yep. He made some saves in there when he was getting very minimal help from his from his fellow Leafies. That stop on Willannon in particular, a little cross ice, two on one. I, I thought that was one hundred percent a goal. Like I'm already sitting there thinking, oh, it's one nothing. Great toe save by Matt Murray. Terrific stop by Matt Murray. And and, and then I tweeted out saying that's got to be big for his confidence. Like, yeah. You know, it's his first game back. And look, the Leafs didn't do a whole lot to uh, to, to ease him into the night. Like, the, the Canucks were pressing, pushing. They had a lot of really good looks. I think they ended up with a bunch of slot shots on the night. And Matt Murray was, was stellar, as you said. And then in the third period, it, it, it kind of fell apart. Not for him, but for the rest of the team. Like, it was that was a 1-1 game in the third. Like that's a game where you do need to to pull out the victory against a team like that. Yeah, you kind of need to to pull that out. And unfortunately, we know what happened within 44 seconds. The uh, Leafs went from being on the power play, looking like they had a chance to go up two one, grab the momentum, take the wind out of the sails in that building. 44 seconds later, no, actually, you're down three one, and uh, you gave up two shorties, and that was kind of the game from there. So it was, yeah, a game that. Definitely is not one that you're gonna look back on and, and say that was, you know, a, a key game for the Maple Leafs by any stretch of the imagination. But I think the the one positive takeaway is Matt Murray, despite allowing four goals, did look pretty good in his return and played the full sixty minutes and even you know took part in you know warm up and the anthem, the whole thing, and then played the whole the nine full yards. 60. And so he was good. Positive. Yeah, he didn't. There was no scary moments. He looked healthy in there. He was popping back up, so that was a promising sign. But probably like the only really, if we were to do a stay or go today, that would probably be the sole thing to land on our stay list. There's that, and then um, Jake McCabe's response to, Ooh, you to know Tyler what? Myers. We'll, we'll give that. We, I would say that's True. a stay too, right? Yeah. Like, Tavares took a beat in there in the first period. Oh my like, god! Good on him for trying to obviously take that center ice, and there's a price to pay for center ice. And he took not one but two big hits, and then the 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 Tyler Myers. I can't remember if that was the first or second one, mm-hmm. but Jake McCabe's like, nah, you're not doing that to my captain. And, and good for him for stepping up. Like, Meyer's a big dude. It's like six foot seven, 230 head. pounds. Like, it's a big boy. And uh, Jake McCabe's sticking up for, for his teammate. I, I, like, he's got to, if you're in the locker room, you got to love that. I think JT even said he went and kind of thanked him afterwards. Although it did take him out of action for a while. Yeah. Which I 
it's so frustrating when they get like the the extra penalty on top of it when you go and you're like as the instigator penalty mm. and you're missing you got 10 minute misconduct it's like i don't know like it, that was such a monstrous hit what do you expect like that's the type of stuff that does get a response especially on your captain yeah. but it did cost them a lot of time there in that first period which you know not it, ideal not ideal at least they had seven defensemen yeah they so. did they did which we'll talk about at length i'd imagine today uh of note from that like I, i'm just gonna flag this i'm gonna put a little star next to it i'm gonna okay. give willie nylander a tap on the back because before mm-hmm. jake mccabe hopped in there and had that fight like willie wasn't looking to drop the gloves by any means but he for sure stepped in there there's a conversation yeah you know yeah a conversation with him at okay the bill least. from calgary i see you yeah yeah i guess you can give it's him a promising little, we you know well, well some stick taps for that uh we just got a notification as we were walking over here ab we know what happened with ryan o'reilly towards the end of that last game he took a shot to the hand he did not yeah. return austin matthews also took a shot to the leg at one point but he did return to the game so we all like to let out a collective kind of sigh of relief at that but uh in terms of moves that the leaves have made in order to i guess make up for the fact that ryan o'reilly is going to be out for for a little while we might get an update today the leaves practice at twelve thirty, so Maybe we'll hear from Sheldon Keefe before the end of the show, but they've recalled Pontus Holmberg and Alex Steves and have sent down Joseph Wall to the minors. And mm. that's got you catch, caught up on Leafland this morning until their practice this afternoon. And with that, let's bring in our TSN hockey analyst, Mike Johnson, who hopefully got some sleep over the weekend, MJ, <laughs> after the wild deadline that was. Uh, I got to sleep on Friday from yep. like 8 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon because nothing was going on. Hey, <laughs> like the whole day. It was a very quiet day, but... Um, yeah, it was all the work done beforehand, and uh, Friday was, I, I don't know, underwhelming but predictable. Uh, the least elected to largely, you know, they do nothing and, and go with the group they have. And, of course, wouldn't you know it, they go with the group, they don't make any more changes, and then they start running into injuries the second the deadline passes, perhaps. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, another... I don't, I don't even know how to read the game against Vancouver where the Leafs were, were, were quite good at times. Um, you know, obviously the shorthanded goals against are, are, are no good, but um, another weird one where that their record against bad teams is just, it's tough to explain. I guess the, the silver line is they won't play those bad teams once they finally yeah. get to the playoffs. It's a win. Uh, but beyond that, uh, strange that, you know, Vancouver is, you know, way out of it and they, and they got the good win. Johnny, let's start with uh, with Ryan O'Reilly. We we're just talking about it, and, and it looks like there was a couple of roster moves that went down today to suggest that O'Reilly probably going to miss some time. We'll get an update exactly how long that will be shortly, I'm sure. But how concerning is this for you? Two reasons. One, new guy, still trying to incorporate him into the lineup and keep trying Ooh. to figure out how he wants to set his lineup you know, as, as best as possible. And then two... We've been down this road before. Nick Felino was given up for a first-round pick. The PTSD bit of an older, Yeah, a bit of an older cat. And, you know, there was an injury situation there. And now we look back on that, not as fondly of a deal. It's got a little Felino stench to it, too. So I would say less worried about the Felino thing because, you know, broken fingers and not broken backs or whatever. Right. You know, whatever's going on with Nick Foligno. Um but I am more concerned, not so much for Ryan O'Reilly getting used to, you know, playing with whoever he's going to play with. He's smart. He's been around. He'll figure that out quickly. But more importantly, I, and I, because I'm not sure if Sheldon Keith really knows how he wants to set his roster. Yeah. And, you know, he needed all the time that he could get these last six weeks to, to work through that, you know, with everyone available. Is he going to go the top six? Is he going to go the big three down the middle and play Ryan O'Reilly in the third line and kind of go like, 
three duos, which he saw a little bit of. And I think he wanted to experiment and see which way to go. You'd love it if he could find a way to play Matthews, Tavares, and O'Reilly on different lines and have them all be working in different in a way that they would because that kind of depth down the middle, that kind of uh, experience would be tough to match up against uh, if you're Tampa. But he wants to see it. He wants to tinker and experiment and see who works with what and how it goes. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if they're, like, sanctioned or whatever, but there's pictures on Twitter about O'Reilly walking out with yeah. splints on his finger uh, after the game in Vancouver. So that could be he's got a sore finger. That could be he broke his finger. Um, either way, it's probably going to be a little bit. If he broke his finger, hopefully he doesn't need to have surgery, and that's, you know, two to four weeks or whatever it is to come back, which is not optimal timing. Yeah, from a player perspective, MJ, how long, and I know it's situational based on the team and how many guys you know on the team probably and the systems and such, but how long typically does it take for a guy who, who's dealt around the deadline or at any time during the season to kind of adjust to the, to the new situation? Well, the new situation has a lot of different components. Um, I would imagine, like, on the ice, like a couple weeks. You know what I mean? Like, systems are not, like, I, these guys, like, I always find it funny, Julie, when people say, well, you know, new system, you got to get used to it. I'm like, it's hockey. Like, there's not that many <laughs> right. wrinkles to it. Like, you might not be perfectly dialed in, but it's, there's only so many ways you can play. So if it takes you more than two weeks to figure out your system, then you don't know how to play system hockey, right? Like, you just, you're a freelance guy who won't, no matter, you won't know the system no matter how long it is. So on the ice, probably a couple weeks to figure out kind of system and playing probably a couple weeks to, you know, get chemistry sort of stuff down um, to the point where it's acceptable. The harder part often is really, you know, off the ice, you know, if they have a family, where do you live? Do your kids come and stay with you? Do they, you know, like these are things that Ryan O'Reilly is dealing with, like, do they stay back or wherever they're, you know, wherever they were before that kind of stuff could take a, you know, a long time to kind of flush out because many times the, the families don't come because it is so late in the season and the playoffs are around the corner. And that part becomes kind of challenging because, um, you know, guys are used to having their support staff, their spouse, their kids, whatever it is, around them. And if they go to a new city and don't have their family with them, that is not easy to get used to, even if you know it's, you know, for a short time only. Johnny, I'm curious, how often did you have to play an 11-forward 7-D lineup? Oh, I don't know. I probably played it 50 times in my career. Like I loved it. I loved it because I was always one of the forwards in my career that was, you know, in the top nine. So it was just more ice time. It was mm. fantastic for me. Uh, the defensemen hated it. Like <laughs> they, When there's six of them, there's not enough ice time. Put a seventh one in there and then, it's, you know, unless it's a random, you know, if you're going to play Eric Gustafson strictly as a power play guy, but they don't want to do that. They want to mix them in and see what he does. So it's not a problem for forwards. Everyone can absorb like, what does a 12 forward play, A.B.? Does he play eight minutes? Yeah, nine-ish minutes, eight, eight depending. Eight, ten minutes, right? So everyone could absorb ten minutes over the, over the 11 other guys. Everyone picks up a minute or two. Yeah, I, I didn't mind it. I know some coaches don't like it. Depend on your roster, though, because Toronto should be okay with it because they have so many good players, the same way John Cooper likes doing it with Tampa because you just, you know, you just throw Austin Matthews out with the – or William Nylander out with the fourth line and just kind of let them do their thing – uh, on a one-off to get them a bit more ice time. So I never minded it because I was always the guy that got to play more. 
if you're the, on the fourth line, though, it's kind of lonely because you know it's going to be a long <laughs> night as well. Yeah, like I, I in, in one hand, I look at it and I'm like, if the Leafs do go three center deep, like it would make sense because then you could roll those lines and then you always got one of Matthews, Tavares, or or O'Reilly out on yeah. the ice. Like typically, you'll have one of those guys, Ooh. and then every so often, obviously, the fourth line comes into the folds and one of those players could play some some extra minutes. But I, I am curious though, like when you're shifting things around like that, how difficult it might be to really just like game chemistry when things are being tinkered with shift to shift. Well, I mean, if you're, it's different right after a deadline, but if you're the same group of 12 guys that have been around the year most of the time, um, you've largely played with each other anyways. You should know the same system. I don't know. Like it's, you know, it's fine. Like, is it, is it as perfect as, you know, Marner and Matthews and Bunting are, you know, their chemistry has been created? Probably not, but it's still more than good enough to be effective and successful. Um, yeah, I, I think it's much, much more difficult to try to integrate seven defensemen. The 11 forward part, not so bad. Yeah, fair enough. With our TSN hockey analyst, Mike Johnson, right now, and the other Mike from Scarborough, MJ, was demoted to the third line on Saturday night, Michael Bunting. And Keith was pretty straight up about his assessment of his game. He said, well, Alex Kerfoot has just been better lately. And I feel like Michael Bunting went through a hot streak really recently when he seemed to be putting up points all the time. Do you have any assessment of, of his game lately and where he might be at after Saturday? Um, yeah, so, uh, you know... Michael Bunting, it's it's it's. I am sympathetic to how hard he has to play. Like it's hard to be him every night. You know what I mean? Like it takes a certain physical engagement, a certain emotional engagement to do what he does every single night. Now, he's the beneficiary of playing that way by playing with good players and picking up a whole bunch of points and goals. Like because he because he's effective at it. But if he ever goes through a stretch where either he's fatigued, maybe a little injured, maybe emotionally flat, whatever, which we all do at points his game probably drops off more than if Alex Kerfoot goes through a stretch where he's emotionally flat because they play different styles or where my game would have fallen off. You know what I mean? So I, I think, you know, Michael Bunting works best with the top six. They don't have enough good wingers that he's not going to play with one of those good lines for the long term. I do think it's probably good news that Kerfoot has played better as of late because he's, he's been kind of quiet this year as well. They've been waiting for him to get his game in order. So, um, you know, ideally both could happen at the same time. And Michael Bunting is also a guy who responds to a demotion, if we're going to call it that. And, you know, playing with Ryan O'Reilly is probably not really a demotion. But right. um, with that kind of like, I'll show you attitude. You know what I mean? Some guys might pout and feel sore of themselves. He kind of is a guy that would push back and say, forget you. I'll show you by playing even harder. So, you know, Sheldon Keith knows him very well. Uh, knows how to motivate him, uh, and he's he's just got to you know get back to being, moving his feet, being involved physically, being involved emotionally. In conversation with Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst, Morgan Riley has been a topic of conversation for mm-hmm. quite some time here. He was on the ice for three more goals again Saturday night, obviously, a couple of those being shorthanded goals. But over his last 14 games on the ice for 18 goals, 10 goals in his last seven, how do you get this guy settled? Because that he's someone who Sheldon Keefe is going to play 23-ish minutes a night come playoff time. I mean, how important is it to get him going? And, and you know, how do you do that, MJ? Uh, so I think it's very important uh, because you just mentioned he leads them a nice time, right? Like he, he plays a very important role um, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he and he's got to be good. And I think the first part about it is try to figure out 
what you're, again, goes back to the same sort of conversation we had about the forwards. Try to figure out who's playing with who. You have a whole bunch of options now, right? Like all kinds of options on the back end. Who is going to play with Morgan Riley? What is that going to look? Is it going to be Justin Hall? God, no, please no, please no. I'm done with that. I can't do that pairing, Johnny. You know who I like? I want to see Jake McCabe get a shot. And and I've liked McCabe and Brody as a shutdown pair. But like Mm -hmm. Jake McCabe, and I know that last week Sheldon said, no, we we see him as a left shot D-man. But Jake McCabe kind of, we were speaking with somebody out of Chicago a week ago, and they said since the since Christmas or so, Jake McCabe did a good job of settling Seth Jones' game and allowed him to kind of be a really effective piece uh, in, in Chicago. And, and I think settling was a, a good term to use, because if he can go and try and help settle Morgan Riley, that might be best, because I, I know what Brody and Hall can do. I feel like I can trust that pairing. But Morgan Riley, to me, is the guy. you got to figure out... Who could settle Mo? And I feel like want to be the Brody, or maybe let's see what Jake McCabe can do there. Maybe I mean you just said two left-handed shooters, although Brody is largely a right-shot guy. So I was just listing right righties, the guys who play on the right side. Unless you move someone over, are Brody, Hall, Lilgren, Shen. Right? Those are four righties. So unless you're going to move McCabe, which is entirely well, he an can option. play. He's played the right side too. Right? Yeah, no, yeah, he has absolutely. I'm just, you know, I think they acquired him largely to play on the left, but yeah. you know, they they can be versatile. Like when I first saw this, I, I was thinking they would just put Brody with Riley and just let them. Like if Brody has been the defenseman whisperer, you know, he was the settler, as you call them, like which is an important term, an important role to play. I, I, my D pairs were Brody with Riley, Lilgren with uh, with McCabe, and then Geo with somebody else whether it's Shen or Hall or Gustafson or whoever plays that right side of the third pair. That's how I would put him down because for the same kind of reason, I, I, Morgan Riley is so important. I think you need someone to help him be at his best self. And then I think McCabe and Lilgren would be a good defensive pairing. And I don't know, A.B., where, like, if it's the new guys getting the we-traded-for-you bump. Like, I think Timothy Lilgren, if he's healthy, and I don't know that he is, maybe he's a little nicked up. Like, I think he deserves to play. And so I'm almost surprised that he's, you know, the guy kind of out of the lineup right now because I think he should be in the lineup um, playing. So we'll see how that one shakes out. But Or Justin Hall. And that's, you know, like, these are the options they have. Maybe they'll try McCabe. Um, but then again, if you have McCabe there, does that become, what, Geo is your second left-side defenseman? No, I think you could move Brody back to his, his natural left side and go with. Oh, you gotta play Brody on the left then again. Yeah, I mean you could okay. you could you could do it if you wanted to. Like you can do whatever you want, yeah. right? He can play both the sides. That's the beauty of the, the flexibility of having guys who can play both sides. Is you you got a little bit more that you can work with, right? Like for me, I'm thinking if I were to look at it, McCabe and uh, like Riley on the left, McCabe. You can see just see what it looks like on the right. You could slide Brody back over to the left. I know that Brody and Hall works. Bro, Justin Hall has played his best hockey the last two years when he's alongside TJ Brody. I know that that works. Mm-hmm. He he makes him look like a top four defenseman. And then again, Geo lesser lessen his minutes, make him a third pair guy. And then you could put whether it's Shen Lilligren, I guess one of those two players like that. That to me is kind of when I'm mm-hmm. sitting there and I'm making my lineups. That's a little mock lineup that I've looked at. Yeah. Again. Very all valid, good, solid reasons. You know, you're except, except you're moving a guy who can play on the right side of McCabe, but hasn't always done it up to the first pair on the right side. And you're taking a guy who's done it quite well, Brody, and moving back to the left to get yeah. Justin Hall. Like 
Like, I want best version of Morgan Riley more than I want best version of Justin Hall. Yeah, you know agree. I mean? Yeah, no, totally so, agree. So you start there, and maybe you try McCabe, whatever, however it takes, and then you see where you end up. Okay, MJ, who do the Leafs need at their best self more for a successful postseason push, Austin Matthews or Morgan Riley? Oh, Austin. Oof, yeah. Austin. Because I think Morgan Riley, he, like, he, his best doesn't change the game as much as Austin Matthews' best. Austin Matthews' best is the best in the world. Yeah. Like it was last year, right? So, yeah. You know, and, and it's not been that. It, it's a real mystery. And I know what you asked because Austin Matthews, again, you know, he takes blocking all these shots, takes another one off the inside of the knee. Those sting. Feel like you have a dead oh, leg. Oh, God, and, yeah. You know, they just, they just, they're, they're awful. But it's it, just another game where, you know, Austin Matthews didn't have the kind of volume or quality of looks that we have come to expect out of him. And, and I watch him all, like, obviously, I watch him all the time, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, why. And I look at the numbers, and I see, you know, you know how many chances he creates. And, you know, so he is, he's down a little bit in chance and expected goals and, and all those different things, but not to the degree where his goals are down. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to figure. And when I watch him, he, you know, he's been playing, so you assume he's relatively healthy. But his, there's games where he doesn't, Gate as well as he did last year. Like the separation in the offensive zone, separation through the neutral zone to create chances, it, it just hasn't been quite the same. It's been still very good. I mean, he's going to score 40 goals. Like that's his bad year. It's amazing. <laughs> but he's not the best player in the world. And I think it's way, way more important that Austin Matthews is something closer to his best self than Morgan Riley. Um, when you get to the playoffs, because Morgan Riley, they have eight, nine defensemen. Morgan Riley might not ever play against the other team's best players. Yeah. At home. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, they might shelter him away from the Kucherov point lineup line. Yeah. Like, they, he, he might not get those guys, but Austin will get all of that all the time, and he's got to be able to be productive. Yeah. The only way I find a little bit of an argument for Mo in my head is that even though Austin hasn't been scoring at this toward pace this year, you, you said he's going to be a 40 score, goal scorer again this year, is that he's not a liability on the ice at any point defensively. Like we've sang his praises for his defensive game, whereas it's Morgan's right. that we're worried about. Yeah. So it's almost like, yeah, obviously getting the best out of Matthews is best, but it's almost like also Morgan's worst is Morgan a little scarier. worst is definitely yeah. scarier also. So yeah, I hear you, but. Like, you don't need to play Morgan Riley yeah. 24 minutes. Like, you could play Morgan Riley 20 minutes, 18 minutes, and, and, and mitigate that downside that you guys are talking about. I understand, you know, you're worried about the floor more than you are the ceiling. Right. I'm worried about the ceiling because I can put some other, you know, I can re-pour the foundation of the floor, and I have other guys there that can do some of the stuff that we've asked Morgan Riley to do if he's not up to the task. I got no one else that, can I, that I can ask to do what I expect out of Austin Matthews. Nobody. Yeah, so, at the end of the day, you know, Matthews can take over a series. You're not going to get 2017 Eric Carlson out of Morgan. No, it's we true. know that's it's not going to happen. But no. we can get that out of Matthews, and he could take over. So I, I I agree in that aspect. They're both really we good can, points, though. But we haven't seen it. It's no. just been so strange for him this year, where he's yeah. just not got on that like the, virtually every year of his career for Austin Matthews. There's been moments where it just seems like like. He was going to score no matter what. It was like a predetermined before the game. I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to score tonight. Or you watch the first 10 minutes, like, oh, yeah, he's going to score tonight. Like, it's just, it was just obvious. And there just hasn't been stretches or just that many games individually where he's been like that kind of dominant where you, where you just knew it was a foregone conclusion that he would find the back of the net 
and the lack of multi goal games speaks to that, which is so strange. You know, you know, I don't know, maybe how many did they have? A couple, three multi goal games, three. Matt in, in McDavid had five in a row last week, <laughs> right? Uh, and you don't even have to pick McDavid, who's doing the best. Like, but you could pick, I don't know, whoever Jack oh, Hughes. Tate Thompson who, has a whole bunch. You, you, you keep like you don't have to go to the very best player. Like yeah, you can true. go, you can go to William <laughs> Nylander. Like you can go to yeah. those guys who are good, very good, but like not the greatest scorer in the league. And they all have been kind of Ryan Nugent Hopkins, whatever. And they've kind of been more dangerous and bigger nights. It's, it's peculiar. I almost give more. Austin Matthews credit, like, again, not inside information, opinion only. I don't think he's healthy. Mm. Like, I think there's something going on that is bothering him physically. Yeah. And I give him a ton of credit because it would be very easy to leak that out to me, to you, to Kyle Dubas, to the media, and say, you know, like, he's fighting through a bad knee. And like, oh, okay, well, you know, kudos to fighting through it, and hopefully he gets better and maybe you want to manage it. But you haven't heard any of that out of him or his camp or the team. But I, like... Again, opinion only. I think he's he's not moving the same. No, and he's too young to be old. So I think he's got to be quite. <laughs> he's, he's something something's bugging him. Well, hopefully that's something that can get uh, corrected between now and game one of the playoffs because we know it's a, a crash course for the Tampa Bay Lightning. That well, said, Johnny, that's yeah. that's a All team right. that's starting We're gonna to go there. Right now. Well, how are we how are we feeling about Tampa right now? Like it's so funny. So listen, I know I don't know what you're gonna ask, but like. So Tampa, everyone's like, oh, yeah, well, they've been there. They, you know, they lose five in a row. They're benching their star players. And the, the reaction of the hockey world is like, well, it's okay. You know, they've been there. It's fine. Nothing to worry about here. And if that was Toronto, Toronto loses to Vancouver, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's the Leafs poised for another first-round exit. I'm like, what are we talking about? Like, give them credit that they deserve for winning Stanley Cups. They're an amazing team, talented players. But let's not act like losing the way they're losing right now is nothing. And let's not overreact to Toronto's every single loss like it's the end of the world. It's just hilarious how, because they've won and they deserve some respect, it's like they almost get too much. Like They're like infallible when they're really struggling quite a bit right now. Yeah, they get the benefit of the doubt. Like we talk about how Masai Ujiri with the rap, he just, no yeah. matter what, gets the benefit of the doubt because he brought the team a championship. And it's like Tampa Bay, three straight years to the finals. And the thing is, like, I look back, I remember last year there was a very similar stretch. And I remember I, I went and looked at it. Exact same time, beginning of March, Vasilevsky had like four straight games. Leafs stomped him sub, one night. Yeah, they did one of those games. He was a sub-900 goalie, like four straight starts. And, and the, the questions started popping up. Oh, is, are, are, are they hitting a wall? And then they got their act together the final two weeks of the season and, and went and obviously turned it into another Stanley Cup run. I'll say this, mm-hmm. though, Johnny. The difference, I think, in what we saw last year and this year is what we saw occur, was it Saturday's game, I think? They bent their stars for the yeah. third period. Point, Kucherov, Stamkos. If this was a dress rehearsal, as we've often heard John Cooper refer to the regular season as a dress rehearsal to the playoffs, that's something we haven't seen before. And then for them to come back and put up four shots within the first 40 minutes of that game against Carolina and get pumped 6 nothing. that to me is a little bit different than what we've seen in the past. Sure. Sure. Now, I've, I've, I think I did a game once where Nikita Kucherov was benched like the last half of the game, sat there with his helmet undone and didn't move. And like John Cooper has done this before. Like he's not afraid to, to, to take on his top guys if they, if they, they irritate him long enough. Um, but then to follow up that, that benching with a four shot performance. Now, Carolina can do that to teams. Like when Carolina's good, 
man, they roll you over. Uh, and But you'd expect more of a response. I, I mean, you know, I, I haven't watched them, like, super, super closely, but um, you'd ex- you, you would just expect a better response, and they didn't have one, so they'll keep kind of working through it. I, I think what's changed with, with Tampa is that Tampa's, you know, defense, which was largely the strength of their team. Like, we talk about their four lines and Stamkos and Kucherov and Point and all those guys. But, you know, their defense for a long time, when you had McDonough and Hedman and Sergachev, that was your top three, those are like your three left-side defensemen. Like, now they have Zach Bogosian on their second pair. Mm-hmm. They got Nick Perbix playing with, with Hedman. And as great as Hedman is, like, Nick Perbix might not be... Um, you know, quite as good with Chernock being not available right now. Yet Ian Cole, you know, like these are not Hayden Flurry. These are not terrifying guys to go against. They're still crazy talented. They're very good. They have a similar record to Toronto. But like if I'm getting ready to play Tampa either next week or in the playoffs, I'm like, okay, it's going to be very, very difficult. But not, but not insurmountable. Like I look at Ian Cole, Hayden Flurry, we should be able to do some things against that line. Sergeyev and Zach Bogosian, we should be able to do some things against that. Like, you know, they, I think just time, age, and the erosion of their roster is, has affected them a little bit, where they're still very good, maybe just not quite as good. Yeah. Okay, MJ, we have to ask you before we let you go, because the Leafs are trickling onto the ice for practice, and there's some curious happening. So no Ryan O'Reilly. That's not the biggest surprise in the world uh, mm-hmm. after those photos that leak. But John Tavares, who took quite the beating on Dang Saturday... Yeah, a couple of them. He's actually wearing gray. Sam Lafferty is... is uh, So gray is in, like, extras gray. And then Sam Lafferty is wearing top six blue today. Can I get an immediate reaction Hang from on. you? Gray meaning fifth line or the bottom six? Gray meaning extra. Scratch. Like, gray scratch. meaning scratch, which... if it, he's probably banged up. But wouldn't it be red? Like, wouldn't it, well, I guess it might not be non-contact, but... Well... You can do whatever you want. I don't think anyone's bumping the John Tavares. Put him in yellow, red, flashing green, gray. He's not feeling good. No one's going to touch him today. Um, that was a big hit. Uh, you know, we're all probably concerned about his head and his, you know, some of that history. But um, we'll see. Well, I'm listen. I'm in Jersey now, guys. I'm doing the game tomorrow. Devils are one of the best teams in the league. I don't know if people understand how good New Jersey is. So it's not a great time to start or chipping away important pieces of your roster against a team that playing about as well as anybody in the NHL. So we'll see what happens. But if I, chemistry is important, what's more important is health. So if any of the guys are kind of banged up, I would, you know, you're going to work in rest more than you're going to try to work on play through it. So you can have another game with, uh, you know, for some familiarity. Yeah. yeah. True. Well, we'll see what happens. You're, you're down there. You'll be calling the game maybe, or maybe not with uh, John Tavares in action. Uh, appreciate it as always, pal. We'll chat again next week. All right, guys. Talk next week. All right. There he goes. Mike Johnson or TSN. Hockey analyst. Yeah. Okay, that that raised so eyebrows. What the heck, KB? Okay, they had three great centermen and they dropped a one really fast? Yeah. Let's take a break. Let's come back. Let's get into it and, and see if we can find some more information. Starting to kind of leak out. Practice is now officially underway, so we'll start to get some uh, some info on what's going on over there. Um, but uh, yeah, so John Tavares 
currently in a gray sweater. What does that mean? We'll talk about it on the other side. Claire Hanna going to join us also at 105 Sends, one of the hottest teams in the National Hockey League. Five in a row. Five straight. And they've got the second best win percentage since January 25th in the entire NHL. So we'll chat with Claire Hanna and find out what the hell's going on over there. Seriously. I'm Mike DiStefano with Jewett Teixeira. Listen to Lisa Lunch here on TSN 1050. Back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Lease Busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com. Welcome back. Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. If you missed our chat with MJ, it got a little spicy at the end because some news starts coming out of Leaf practice. No Ryan O'Reilly on the ice. Not a huge surprise after that game in Vancouver on Saturday where he took a shot off the hand and some excellent Twitter detectives saw him leaving the arena with a (laughs) splinter on a couple of his fingers. So not overly surprising news about Ryan O'Reilly. Actually, there is no news about Ryan O'Reilly, and we'll update you when we hear officially what, uh, what his status is. John Tavares is an interesting character currently on the ice at Leaf practice because he's on the ice, A.B., but he's wearing extras gray. Yeah. So usually that's uh, that's Wayne Simmons' jersey, that's Pontus Holmberg's jersey. Really curious to see that John Tavares um, in gray, but it probably tells us that he won't play tomorrow. Yeah. I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Yeah, it sounds like that could be the issue. And, like, he, he took a beating in, in Vancouver, like, took a couple of really big hits in that game. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if you know, there's an injury there. Um, and the fact that they're, like, he's just not practicing with it. Well, he's practicing, but not in his traditional spot, which would tell us, they're not expecting him to be there tomorrow. Yeah, so good that he's not in, like, one of those red no-contact jerseys, good that he's on the ice. And, you know, A.B., like, not that I'm assuming this is the old load management play or anything, but there's... If you're feeling banged up at this time of year, there's no better time to take a game off, I would say. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you need to take every single precaution you can at this point in the season. If something's lingering or if you got, if you feel I need a little nick, I mean, I, I think you got to, you know, if it takes a, a game or two, sure, take take the minute. Like we saw that happen with uh, John, with um Austin Matthews earlier in the year and he just kind of didn't play for two games had a little bit of uh uh you know something was nagging him so he sat out for a couple games and then came back and was shot out of a cannon yeah so, he looked like a weapon when he came back maybe we could see something similar happen with uh with JT but either way it's, it's not a good sign like you mentioned you go into the Vancouver game and you're sitting there looking at the center depth you've got Austin Tavares Morgan or and um, not so Morgan Riley Ryan it's an embarrassment O'Reilly. of riches and now now you go into the next game against the New Jersey Devils and you're sitting there looking at what probably John Tavares no or uh, Austin yeah. Matthews that guy Sam Lafferty David happy Kent, birthday to Sam Lafferty by the way HBD rewarded with a top six role yeah like, it's looking like that might be the case because I'm also seeing out of practice now looks like we're seeing uh, Alex Kerfoot remaining on that top line so he's not going to go sliding into 2C so either Nylander can move over to the middle I suppose and I'm sure we'll have this information very very shortly or potentially we could see a situation where Sam Lafferty again gets 
the opportunity up in the top six, perhaps, because he is in that top six blue. So either Lafferty can go and play 2C, or he'll be on the wing, and you could slide Nylander in there. But either way, you're looking at the center depth, and it's way different than it was when you flew into Vancouver the other day. Yeah, and uh, they left one member of their team in Vancouver. Luke Shen is not on the ice right now, but it's because we've updated you guys before that his wife, uh, I think she was due on Friday, but... it. Real, baby coming in hot there in the Shen family. So Luke in. Shen not with the team right now, but no injury concerns there. Is Shen going to give birth like Wayne did last oh year? Oh my God. One of my favorite <laughs> quotes of all time on this show. What, I, I don't know. If, to recap, one day it was AB and Frankie Carano hosting this show. Was it I, that day? You weren't on the show? I wasn't on the show because <laughs> I was I was really, that was like when I was sick last year at some point. I don't know. Because I, I have the immune system of a toddler <laughs> and I get sick all the time. Uh, and I'm laying in bed, and I'm listening to you guys, and I hear A.B. say, Wayne Simmons not playing tonight. He gave birth, so he won't be. <laughs> and the worst part was Frankie did not correct you. No. And I'm laying there in bed like, no, this is a moment. I need to be making a joke. And I was not doing that. So Luke Shen not going to play. He's giving birth. Yes. To go back to a little callback from there. Yeah, so you know, congrats to him, I suppose. Which. <laughs> You know, let's I'm get well. So that probably yes. means we'll see Timothy Lilligren get back into True. the fold. Which, you know, after sitting out for a couple of games, I think it's time to get him back in because he's been playing great. And you know, I think Johnny was was alluding to the fact that he was surprised to see Lilligren miss a couple of games yeah. here. Like, I get you want to get these new players in, but also like this is still a pretty young guy who has been playing great hockey and, and arguably better hockey than Justin Hall. Just based on merit, he probably should have been in these games, but. Um, we'll see what ends up happening here. The Leafs did also call up Pontus Holmberg yeah. and Alex Steves. Joseph Wall has been sent down, but it still appears that there will probably need to still be one move made in order to fit this uh, this roster or fit these two in to the cap structure. So one of two things. Either one other player is going to get sent down here at some point, which... Not likely, probably would have happened along uh, with Joseph Wall, or perhaps one of these two players not playing in pra- or not suiting up uh, in practice. Tavares, who's well suited up in the gray, or Ryan O'Reilly could be heading to LTIR. Yeah, and that is just the worst, AB. And there's some, like to MJ's point, there's some. If you're freaking out and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is just like Nick Foligno, there, there's truth to the fact that like breaking a finger is not exactly like having a reoccurring back issue that Nick Foligno was struggling with when he was a leap. So you can take solace in that, but still such terrible timing, A.B., when they have, what, 19 games down the stretch here? Is it 19? 19 left, yeah. 19 games left, which I think is like, it's a quarter of a season, it's a it's a perfectly fine amount of time for a team to really find some chemistry, six new pieces in the fold. Like It's going to take some time for everyone to, to figure out exactly what they are. I, I don't think their identity has changed or anything, but just really figure out who they are and who plays well together and, and uh, what their vibe is. If Ryan O'Reilly goes on LTIR, that takes off a lot of those it changes, 19 games. They yeah, have less it, well, it, changes a, out. it does change a lot because so we're, we're seeing now the lineups come through. And, you know, you see Camp on the third line. Now nah, you could argue that's a fourth line. But Zach Aston Reese, Camp, and Achari. So what it appears is that would be this team's fourth line yep. come playoffs. So they're going to keep him. So they're putting Pontus Holmberg in between Bunting and Alex Steves, it looks like, uh, at practice. So what I was going to say is by bringing in Ryan O'Reilly, that kind of... 
with him out of the lineup, you might not be able to play camp in the preferred fourth line role, and you might have to do something, and, and that could not allow you to build chemistry on that fourth line, but it looks like they're just going to slide Holmberg in there, which it was funny. Pontus Holmberg went from a guy who you couldn't find a mistake to a guy who couldn't find in the lineup yeah. for the last couple of weeks here, but uh, first call-up. And it looks like he's going to slide back into the lineup tomorrow night alongside Bunce, who slides down, and uh, Alex Steves. Kerfoot, as I mentioned, on the line with Matthews and Marner. And then it is Sam Lafferty in the middle with Nylander and Yarncroft as the wings. Defensive pairing shakeout like this. McCabe and Brody together. Gio and Hall back together. And then Lilligren coming into the lineup, it appears, alongside Morgan Riley. So Gustafson will come back out. And obviously, I like Luke Shen back and Riley. in Vancouver. They have been terrific. They had a couple good together. games. They yeah. have, and like you look at the numbers, and I remember when I was looking at Justin Hall's numbers last week, him and Riley together, arguably the worst. They were ranked like 160th out of 164 deep pairs mm. when it came to goals allowed per 60. Riley and Lilligren were like top five. Second overall, I think, in that number. Like wow. They were for sure top five. I want to say second when it came to goals against per 60 uh, allowed. Not yeah. expected, but actual goals against. So. I remember us having the conversation. Like It's so interesting that Lilligren is providing this kind of stabling, yeah. defensive presence for Morgan Riley so Morgan could jump in a little bit more. We yep. liked that pairing. I remember, A.B. We did. We did. So, you know, hopefully it works out. Again, they'll probably get some... You know, probably not going to see them take on Jack Hughes, I would imagine, and the Hughes line. But that's a deep lineup too over in in, in uh, New Jersey. Like, yeah, they got they roll three lines pretty consistently. Then all three lines have some threats on them. So he's still going to have to play some defense. Gets pretty quality quality players. A team like that. See Timo Meyer back in the fold. Scores yeah. versus the Devil over the weekend uh, as well. Um, but yeah, so it's it's there's a lot of changes. A lot of changes in this lineup compared to what we saw Saturday night in Vancouver, and uh, not for the right reasons. Not to shake it up and get a look, Uh. but because it appears that two of their top centermen are not going to be playing. So, not great news coming out of Leafs practice today. Not great news. We'll probably hear from Sheldon Keefe later on in the show, and we'll update exactly what's going on um, throughout the show when we get the information as well. All right, let's uh, take a break, JT, and uh, kind of get into some more Leafs news on the other side. Claire Hanna going to join us still at 105, and uh, it's Monday. What's in the group chat to come at 130? I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tisharios and the Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Don't be shy, shy, shy. Murray too, and I think you know that's what the Leafs want. Yes, ultimately that's what they wanted at the beginning of the season. I think that's what the they only still way want Matt here. Murray will not be game one starter is if he's not available. Leafs lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards, available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. Leafs lunch on TSN 1050. It's Julia Tishery and Mike DeStefano. Some interesting updates at Leaf practice. No Ryan O'Reilly on the ice. John Tavares, John Tavares in extras gray. Uh, hopefully we'll get an update at a Leaf camp soon to see if we can get the full skivvy on what's going on there. But for now, those were some interesting comments from our little morning crew today from Carlo and AK. Yeah. Um, the only way that Matt Murray will not be the starter in game one is if he's unavailable. And you know what? To start the season, I believed that firmly. But I've softened on that, A.B., 
Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that one. Like, I think Samsonov has, has earned the right to be the starter. A, he stayed in net. And B, statistically, he's, he's been a top 10 goaltender this year. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if, if Matt Murray can do anything to win the job. Could Samsonov lose the job between now and uh, game one of the playoffs? Probably, sure. sure. But I don't think Matt Murray can win the job over Samsonov if Samsonov continues to perform the same way that he has. Yeah, and the interesting thing about Matt Especially Murray, Especially if it's AD. on home ice. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a road dog. Which, you look at what Ta- Tampa Bay's been doing, it does seem more likely that it could start game one at the Scotiabank Arena. Yeah, it's true. Um, but in terms of the likelihood of... Like, you and I went poking around, and we're like, well, did Matt Murray even start series? Because I could definitely see a world, just because Matt Murray and where he's found his success in the past and where he's won his Stanley Cups. I said to you before, like I could see... Him getting in for game three or game four and going on a hot streak, Matt Murray, that is, and stealing the net. Because that's how he's won his Stanley Cups. Yeah, so we went back and I took a peek. I want to see where he ended up coming in. Because I knew he did not start game one. He didn't start the playoffs the first year that they won the Cup in Pittsburgh. And he ended up coming into the series in uh, was it game three of round one? So he came into the into the series pretty early on. But then the second go round, he also didn't start the the Stanley Cup playoffs as the goaltender. It was Mark Andre Fleury. He didn't get into a game until the Eastern Conference Final that year. Yes, in 2017, game number three. So even the second season, he didn't get the net for a little bit. So. You know, we keep looking at Matt Murray, and and I know that there's the winning pedigree. He's won Stanley Cups, but it's not like he's been a convincing goaltender who got the got the team the cup from pillar to post. He's a guy who has come in, started out as a number two, stolen the net, and, and gotten really hot. Like we're not taking anything away from what he's accomplished, well, especially also in those the, runs. The the well, I think the first uh, Fleury got hurt, I believe, in the second in the first run. So then he stole the net there, and then the second run, I think Flurry just kind of blew up. Yeah. And then they had to go to their next goaltender. And that was when they ultimately ended up making the decision. To, yeah, rolled yeah. Matt Murray over Mark Andre Flurry, and they ended up shipping him out to uh, to Vegas the exactly. following year. Yeah. So Matt Murray didn't even start game one of the playoffs when he won two Stanley Cups. Yeah. <laughs> and we're here in Toronto, assuming that he's gonna and start the season. AB, I would have said that on the radio. Like, I'm pretty sure you can go back and. Well, we hear did. We definitely asked, like, that. who do we think is going to be the starter? It's going to be Matt Murray, and and based on the the cap hit, based on the pedigree I'd, I'd that he has in the postseason. See, I'd love to go back and see exactly how that conversation went because. I want to say I feel like I might have actually gone Samson off. And you know what? Maybe I was just being a contrarian at the time. Weirder, A.B., is that I know somewhere if we dig through the archives, I said Matt Murray won't start the playoffs, but he'll steal the net at some point and go on a run. So we'll have to go digging through the archives at some point today to give ourselves little stick taps or pats (laughs) on the back. Ultimately, but, ultimately, though, like I, I think Samsonov has done nothing to show me that he does not deserve Game One of the playoffs. Yeah, to this point, he he's he's that guy. He he's going to be the guy that starts Game One. I don't disagree that coming into the season, if you ask Kyle Dubas and the Leafs brass, and I think that was the point AK was kind of making off the top of that clip. Yeah, you ask them. Like, yeah, we hope Matt Murray starts game one of the playoffs. We were, and, and we've had conversations, A.B., like back when they were both playing healthy, back before the season even started. You and I talked about this 1A, 1B concept, and I remember one time we hit the brakes on the conversation and we said, wait a second, who's even 1A, 1B? Like, we've decided 1A, 1B based on 
pass based on contract ultimately yeah based on money right. and based on like stanley cups yeah and the leafs brass probably did too like they probably had him circled but but like look at how kyle dubas set himself up he has samsonov in there too i do not think it's a slam dunk that that samsonov starts game one you don't think it's a slam dunk Sorry. I do not think it's a slam dunk that Murray starts game one. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's absolutely not. Like, ultimately, it's, I think that's kind of, I'm I'm with you. So, I, as much as I love Carlo and AK, I, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with that point. I, I don't believe that even when healthy, that guy's going to be your, your game one starter. You just, you have more trust in Samsonov at this point. Yeah. Like, it's, and that's not to say that Murray hasn't played well. Like, wh- Ability has never been the question mark around Matt Murray. Well, that one goal that he let in was in that one spot uh, that we was, talk about okay, a lot. The, 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 the high glove, yes, yeah. there is that, that issue, and that is a, a question mark there. But typically with Matt Murray, it's always more about availability as opposed to actual performance. So that's kind of where it's always been with him. But for Samsonov, I have trust that, A, the ability is there. Like I said, guy's been a top 10 goalie statistically all season long. I don't know why you veer away from that and go in a different direction come playoff time just because you thought maybe that was your your reasoning ahead of the season. But now you've got an 82-game sample size of these guys. You would think that the decision has been changed by then. Yeah, I'm sure they weren't planning on having Ryan O'Reilly as their three seed to start yeah, the season either. Probably so not. Things change. People change. Life moves on. I don't think that Matt Murray is just going to get taped in there for, for game one. No. Uh, neither do I. Um, no, we got to go. we gotta, we got to get a break. we got Claire Hanna coming yeah. up on the other side. Uh, so that'll be fun. That's a, that's a team that's been fun to watch of late. Spunky group. Five straight so much wins. Fun. Brady Kachuk's been an animal. It's been wild. So Claire Hannell will join us to touch on all things going on in uh, Senators Brass. I'm Mike DeSefano with Julia Tashari. Second hour of Leafs Lunch coming up next.